Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Hello, I'm Johnny. Hi, I'm Benny Munger. And welcome back to Lift the Lid, the podcast that takes you for a weekly trip around the world of Formula One. Just to say, we've been absolutely blown away by the response to launching the pod. We have. We made it into the top 10 podcasts with episode one. Thanks to everyone who's listened, sent in questions for this week. If you haven't had a chance yet, don't forget to give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts and check us out on social media at lift the lid pod right straight into race one so sit tight as we lift the lid on the opening race of the f1 2023 season so then billy come on what about our predictions yeah damn absolute damn it damn ferrari damn charla clerk now i'm just gonna damn ferrari i thought i was on for a for a one three yeah i mean johnny it, the first race of the season, you've started off on the back foot here, mate, because I've absolutely delivered when it counts. <laughs> first, second, and third. Luckily, no luck about it, mate. You know, it's all it's all skill, this. You know, years of watching Formula 1, I knew this stuff was happening. The Ferrari didn't finish. Yeah, I well, know, but that's part of Formula 1, mate. You've got to predict these things, and that's what the predictions are all about, right? You know, <laughs> you know I didn't get... No, I'd, I didn't get the lap right that, you know, the Ferrari broke down. But apart from that, <laughs> I know. Bit of a shame. But I, I hope they can sort that one out because we need we need Ferrari to be in the mix. But that was a real disappointment. All right, Carlos down in fourth. But uh, at the end of the day, right. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the race, shall we? Yeah. Got that podium for Stappen, Perez and Fernando Alonso. I thought that was a very good start to the season, to be honest, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a really good race. I mean, straight from the off, you've got to think Red Bull, they look in fine form. Because on the Saturday, we were kind of thinking, is Alonso going to really sneak up there when it came to the qualifying? Yeah. You know, I think fifth felt like for a lot of people that the hype train hadn't quite lived up to expectations because he was topping practices and everyone sat there at home thinking that Fernando Alonso's back. And he is because he's still got a podium and that's a huge result. Yeah, but you're right. 
You're right, though, Billy, because I thought for after all the, the practicing we had the three days before we got to the race weekend itself, then to uh, the free practices, then that sort of performance that, that the Aston Martin was showing sort of disappeared, didn't it? And I don't, I don't quite understand why that was the case, because then it came back in the race situation. Did they sort of work more towards the race setup, maybe, to sacrifice a little bit of speed? That's the only the only thing I can think of. What about you? Yeah, I agree, Jenny. I think they've got a better race car probably than they have a qualifying car. I think it helped that, you know, the Red Bull cars seemed to get it all right on the Saturday because I think we all kind of were expecting them to be a step ahead of everyone else. And obviously in free practices, it was looking like Alonso was going to mix it up with the two of them uh, in Verstappen and Perez. But yeah, when it came down to qualifying, you can always rely on Max Verstappen to pull something out of the bag. And yeah, he's going to be so hard to beat this season. I don't want to sound pessimistic like you know he's got it wrapped up already mate but he is looking in fine form right now fine form he looks in absolutely awesome form he's he's just got this knack of being able to get any car that he sits in around the circuit the fastest way and of course every time he has the fastest car he sort of pretty much dominates which he did very easily in Bahrain but I think some of it for me was because Ferrari looked as if well, I, I was understanding that they they were they were looking to have a good race pace. Did a very clever thing, didn't they, with the, that new set of uh, soft tyres that they didn't use in qualifying, and it did benefit them actually, didn't it, towards turn one where where Charles got himself into second place. But then that was it. There was no benefit at all because Max just went bye bye Charlie, and it off he went. Yeah, Max always was kind of out of the two Red Bull drivers. He's always the one that normally clears off, and Sergio is normally the one that's been mixing it last year with Charles and yeah Ferrari not going out in the second run of Q3 I thought it was a bit weird at first I thought they've kind of you know let Red Bull off the hook because it was only like a couple of attempts in it so you're thinking maybe Charles de yeah can pull something special out and and stick it on pole position or something like that but actually yeah you're probably right Johnny when you say it's fairly smart from Ferrari what they did you mean it helped Charles get off the line got into second and he was obviously eventually he got pipped by Perez before Ferrari had their mechanical issue but you know he was still doing a pretty decent job considering where Red Bull work in comparison to everyone else. To just be mixing it with them was was pretty good from Charles. Yeah, yeah. A third place was pretty much in the bag from from my side. So I was I was very unlucky, as was as Charles as well. Not getting that yeah, podium. Very finish. unlucky, mate. But you know, moving on, moving no, on. No, no, we're not moving quickly. on, mate. I remember us saying that there was a <laughs> fiver on that. Um, so I don't know how you want to sort me out with that. I've heard that you might be in Saudi Arabia for the next race I'm out there as well so you know I'll uh we can set up a change oh a change change. I'll put it all together you're gonna pay me in pennies aren't you gonna pay me in pennies I can tell (laughs) (laughs) we've still got 22 more races to go yeah I'm I'm off to a good start here that's all it will be just a good start just a good start with a little bit of luck am I just another Charles Leclerc am I in Ferrari I've you know got off the line well (laughs) and then everything's about to go pop yeah so you're going to struggle but anyway let's talk let's talk about Sergio Sergio did you know he did a good job did a reliable job as as you always expect him to do nothing sort of super 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 fantastic from him but fantastic enough to sort of get himself into that second place isn't it but I think the biggest thing for for Red Bull, I think is going to be the the Aston Martin. And why do I say the Aston Martin? Because the Aston Martin's got to qualify better than it did in Bahrain because he was having to fight Fernando Alonso, fight to get himself to third rather than being around that third and fourth. Yeah. 
then maybe taking the baton to uh, Red Bull themselves. Because if he doesn't do that and if they don't do, improve their qualifying, they're always going to be on the back foot with a very good race car. And a race car, I think, can challenge Red Bull. Yeah, I, I agree, mate. Obviously, the fact that you know Alonso nearly got taken out at turn four by his teammate at the start of the race. That was not yes. an ideal start. <laughs> I mean, did. I had my heart in my mouth at that point thinking, Fernando Alonso, no, what's going to happen to him? Because I thought he's guaranteed to have a puncture there. It was a proper big hit from, from Lance there. I think it was. Martin, they got, yeah. they built a strong car for sure because they got away with that one. I thought he was going to have a puncture and it was all going to be go crashing and burning at the first lap of the race for Fernando. But I don't know if that actually affected him in the first stint. I don't know what you thought, mate, because the first stint, he was kind of stuck with the Mercedes and nothing was really happening. And then towards the back end of the race, he just kicked on and just left him for dust. Yeah, and it's probably one frustration I always get is with the tyres and the tyre management is because they're having to look after them so much before they can sort of give them that sort of big push towards the end of the race. And it's annoying sometimes that, as I always want wanted to be, is the driver on a Sunday. Let him deal with all those issues that are going on, like we did when we were racing. We didn't have anybody telling us in our ear what to do and how to do it. When now it's all done, it's almost like a delta time they have to stick to, to be able to sort of look after that yeah. tyre. So I'd rather it be the driver, and the best driver is the one who will be able to do it the best way. Yeah. You could hear in the race, um, Lewis yeah. talking to his engineer, and sort of you saying, can I pick up the pace? How am I doing with my exactly. pace? So like you said, Johnny, you're spot on, mate. They are just sticking to a lap time, looking at the temperatures of the tyres, making sure they're in their nice window. And then when it comes to the end of the stint, it's hammer time as usual when they can go for it. But we want to see flat out racing from the start of the race to the end of the race. And like you said, the driver's taking a bit more ownership over, you know, having yeah. to manage stuff themselves because that's what it's all about. That's part of the challenge, isn't it, of being a professional racing driver? Yeah, very much so. And I think that's something that's a bit sort of lost at the moment. I hope it sort of comes back where that communication isn't allowed. But I totally understand that the teams want it to happen because they get the perfect race strategy. But sometimes the perfect race strategy is not that interesting because I think that the human element is a very, very important part of it. So anyway, it is what it is. But I think at the end of the day, as I said, Aston Martin, they've got to do that, do better in qualifying because I, I think then that gives them a much better chance of consistently getting those podiums and then hopefully at a track that suits them will give them a chance of beating uh, those Red Bulls. And I, I think they have the car to do it, that's for sure. I think so as well. Obviously, the race just gone, Fernando on the podium. That was his 99th podium of Formula 1, Johnny. So he's <laughs> he's had a few of those, you know, like, through his career. We've got our first ever question into the podcast, and I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, off the back of this podium, this is a really good question for me, but it's from Philippa, and it is how many podiums do you think Aston Martin can realistically get this season with Alonso and Stroll, so between both drivers? I think this is a good question for me, because obviously Aston Martin started the season strong, but we don't know how their car's going to suit certain tracks or if there's going to be any weaknesses exposed I think the fact that Lance Stroll obviously was dealing with a few issues this weekend physically and still managed to get sixth place that kind of shows they're, they're going to be up that there I think job. on a lot of occasions yeah I was really impressed with with Lance this weekend when you see the the clips on social media and the onboard footage where he's having to sort yeah. of move his hand to the bottom of the steering wheel in turn one to really crank it round and get the steering lock in I mean you know, as a driver, if you're having to compromise yourself doing that, you know, you're definitely leaving lap time on the table and just not being comfortable in the car physically is not going to help that. So I think 
all things considered for Lance, he did a pretty mega job to to get some big points. I think he was driver of the of the weekend, to be honest, to go through what he what he went through and then actually decide that he wanted to get behind the wheel of a, of a Formula One car that is pretty much battering, even when you're in the best of physical conditions. So for him, it's good to see. Yeah. I, remember, I don't know about you. I remember. I don't know if you can see that finger there. It's a bit of a funny old shape. Well, I chopped that off on a lathe yeah. when I was at school. <laughs> and I was racing at Rissington in the in in karting that that weekend. They they stitched it back together, put a great big bandage on it, and I raced one handed at Rissington Kart Track and finished third or fourth. I think if I remember, you raced one handed. Yeah, because I still wanted to do it. I still wanted to try. But I remember holding on in the practice, but the, the steering was shaking so much. You boys are hardcore. I, I tell know, you that. I was thinking it was going to fall off. So I, that's why I went one-handed. So good on Lance <laughs> for doing that. It's funny you say that, Johnny, actually, because I've got a scar on my pinky finger across here. Yeah. And it was from karting days as well. And me and my best mate, Jamie, who raced together, we were at um, Lid Kart Track, which is one of the early kart tracks I started off at. And we were messing around and he ended up shutting my finger in a, a toilet door. Right. Nice. And it, like, I've got, a, I've got this, I've got the scar still here. But my basically, my dad's taped it up. Same sort of thing. <laughs> I drove the rest in a day. Won, won the final. Went home, and my I had a big bandage on my finger. And as we unravelled this bandage in front of my mum, the, the end of my finger was sort of hanging to the side and didn't look too too pretty. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and my mum absolutely went mental at my dad, and it all kicked off. It was like World War Three in our household. So. Yeah. Yeah, the, we, what, the things we do to drive racing cars and to get behind the wheel, you know. Indeed, yes. So, like we said, good on Lance, and we're going to take a quick break now, but when we come back, we're talking all things McLaren. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you
Okay, welcome back, everyone. Uh, well, let's get some more questions uh, out there as well. So we've got a question about McLaren from James. Do you think Lando has made a mistake signing a long-term deal with McLaren? I mean, it's it's not looking good at the minute, Johnny, is it, mate? I mean, obviously, McLaren are a hugely historic team in Formula One. They've done so much in the sport. The last few years, they've not been challenging for wins and They've got the odd podium sort of in that fourth place battle is where they've kind of been sat. And you do look at the likes of Aston Martin, who have now made this huge step from where they were last year. They finished seventh in the Constructors' Championship. All of a sudden, they're now fighting for podiums and look like they're going to be challenging up the front on a regular basis. And you think McLaren haven't got that level of progress like within them. Actually, they've moved backwards in the grid this year. And I, yeah, I don't know about you, Johnny, but I think the fact that Lando, who's one of the most highly regarded drivers on the grid right now, is in a long-term contract with a team that's not quite performing where they want to be. Yeah, I think that's a tough situation he's in. It was a horrible, horrible weekend for them, wasn't it? And I know we, yeah. we know that when you go into a race weekend, whatever formula you're racing, and the cast is not up to it, it is such a horrible long weekend because you know there isn't sort of any light at that. Tunnel. I know we're only going into race one, Billy, but uh, it was awful. And the, the reliability issues that they got, you know, it was horrible for Oscar Priastri as well, losing, you know, being the first man out of the race as well. Yeah. And all the pit stops that they were doing, a horrible, horrible situation. Something I, I wouldn't want to be there. I wouldn't want to be in the cockpit, that's for sure. Yeah, no, they had their fair share of reliability issues in pre-season testing. And obviously... You know, the fact that they yeah. were dealing with that the first race again and they haven't gone on top of that yet again, it just adds to the fact that, you know, they're just underperforming a little bit as a team at the minute. So, yeah, a lot of work for McLaren to do. doesn't seem like they're getting their upgrades for a few races as well. So I think they're going to have to really ride it out. And obviously, as you know, Johnny, the, the world of Formula 1, no one's going to be sat still waiting for McLaren to catch up. Everyone else is going to be bringing upgrades as well. So they're going to have to really pull something big out the bag. Well, the the other thing as well, Billy, I think we both know as well, is when when you're a driver and you you feel that obviously things are not going in the right direction. I always remember that when actually when I was at uh, Lotus uh, in the in the last season that they were there in '94. Uh, then you sort of tried, you said, right, where am I going to be able to go? And that is the question mark for Lando. Where can he go? Where would he fit in at the moment? Because it mm. it seems uh, uh, sort of rebel teams. Red Bull. Well, that's the only one I can think of. Well, the, well then you could possibly say Mercedes. Yeah, Lewis, you could. If Lewis sort of thinks, oh, I've, I've had enough. Doesn't seem like Lewis wants to go, though, does it, mate? Doesn't feel, and that's what I, I'd feel, which is great. I don't feel that either. But yeah, maybe Sergio, but then Sergio does a good job. I know. He's reliable, he's consistent. So would you replace him? Uh, would you, go, well, the other thing, would you go to in the same team as Max? Because that's a risk as well. Yeah, that is a big risk because Max is obviously, you know, in the form of his life, you'd say right now. Yeah. But I think if you're Lando Norris and if you've showed what you've already shown in Formula One, you know, you've delivered great results from McLaren, you've outperformed Daniel Ricciardo, who was Max's teammate a few years back, and they seemed a lot more evenly matched when Daniel and Max were teammates at Red Bull. I think if you're Lando and you're in Formula One, Johnny, you know what it's like, you know, you've, you need to believe you're the best and, yeah, you sure. know, go into the team that's got the fastest car and the guy that's winning back-to-back -back world championships and going there to try and beat him, it's not going to be easy. But I think Lando's got that confidence within himself. Has. 
yeah, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, that's to see Lando in the back of his mind is, is, is thinking about. But obviously, like you say, Red Bull are so dominant. If they keep finishing 1-2, that it's going to be tough for them to, you know, warrant kicking Sergio out of the seat. Yeah, but I, but I think they, they would enjoy someone giving Max a hard time as well. I think that the way that team is, I think that would give them a good buzz as well. So so we could work out. We might have a Sebastian Vettel, Mark Webber situation on our hands. The multi-21, Seb, all that, you know, <laughs> drama we had back in the day. Yeah. I can feel that coming back, which, you know, we great for the sport. Let's have a little uh, little chat about Mercedes, Johnny. We've, we've gone a little bit quiet on them, and that's because they had a fairly, you know, uninspiring race, really. I don't know what you want me to say. What do you want me to say? <laughs> What do you want to say? Well, let's oh. answer Graham's question about Mercedes. So we've got a question from Graham. Why have Mercedes gone a different route with the side pod? So that's the first question we've got about Mercedes. Well, well, they went that route last year uh, and it didn't work out. They they pondered on about going in a different direction last year, but decided that they'd stick with what they got when it got a little bit more competitive in the latter part of the season, so I understand it. Uh, and they've come out the blocks... And actually, the blocks aren't there. <laughs> yeah, at the moment. It's, it's really not been the start they were hoping for. No, not at all. You know, it's not. It's not. It depends how you look at it. You look at it and go, well, it's not. It's not that bad, because obviously they're they're still sort of fighting for those sort of you know fourth, fifth, sixth places. But realistically, that's we all know that's not what they're they're looking for. That's not what Lewis is looking for. That's not what George is is looking for. He has not gone. At all. Very wrong. And it's two years now, this is going into the second season, where, again, it looks very poor. Very, very poor. And it's it's, it's surprising, isn't it? It's such it's a shame. happened again. It's such a shame, Johnny, because last yeah. year they didn't start well at all. But the one thing that was promising for the Formula One fans and Mercedes fans was that throughout the season, they caught back up to the front of the pack. And, you know, they won in Brazil with George Russell at the end of the year. And it kind of felt like, there's still hope that, you know, they're going to get something out of the car for, for this year. But it feels like they're back to exactly yeah. where they were last year. And, yeah, I think Toto Wolff's suffering. Yeah, I think the problem is they have improved, but it's everybody else who's improved yeah. a lot more. That's the problem. So there was almost this, if we, I don't know if they accepted, if we get an X amount of numbers in our, in our CFD or wind tunnel or whatever, that would be a good base for us to start on a level footing because they felt they started, ended on a level footing-ish last year, although that was only at altitude that it actually worked when they came back down to earth in Abu Dhabi, completely sort of disappeared again. So I think they sort of thought they would be able to make enough progress, but I don't think they took into into consideration how much the others were going to improve, as yeah. in the Red Bull, the Ferrari, and the Aston Martin. You know, you do that, the Aston Martin. Brilliant for us because it's another team getting in the mix which is fantastic but now yeah. they're behind them yeah they've moved further That's down the, the pecking order yeah they, what can they what can they do i mean realistically on on raw pace within the car they're the fourth quickest car you'd say at the minute so that you, you'd say they're behind aston mine because alonso yeah. out qualified both those drivers exactly so realistically if all things go down to the pace of the car at the minute you'd probably say mercedes are looking to finish around seventh eighth out on track which is just so far away from where we hope and expect to see Mercedes so they've got their work cut out um what about the other teams Williams 
Williams. Williams. I like that. Bring some positivity yeah. back into the podcast. Absolutely. All for it. Wasn't that cool? Wasn't that cool? I was so happy for for them as a team. I was so happy actually for Alex Albon. I've known Alex for many, many years when he was a little youngster. And actually Logan Sargent did a brilliant job as well. So they've got a car that looks very drivable. We may not have the most downforce compared to the others, but I think as a race car, very good. And that bodes well to the races, I think, coming up because you need a car that is forgiving uh, and you can drive hard and it seems to be able to give them that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Saudi Arabia, the next race coming up in the calendar, you know, tight street circuit, it's got a lot a lot to it. So I think having a car that gives you confidence around circuits like that where the walls are close to you, that, you know, that breeds confidence into the drivers. I think what Alex and Logan did yesterday was super impressive considering where they may be expected to be after pre-season testing. I, I was really impressed with Logan Sargent, I thought. You know, Alex is a really yeah. tough teammate to go up against. Like you say, Johnny, he's got experience. He's been up against the, the driver that's dominating Formula One at the minute and Max Verstappen, and he's given him a run for his money. And now he's leading that Williams team. He was there last season. And Logan came in this weekend, and I was kind of a little bit worried for Logan because I thought that is a tough situation to find yourself in, maybe in a car that's not as quick as the others with a teammate that seems to always get the maximum out of it. And, yeah, he was... I think eight seconds behind Alex at the the end of the race, so across a whole race distance, only that far behind. Yeah, and his pace, his pace during the race was pretty much on a par with Alex uh, as as a whole. Yeah. So again, very impressive for him, very happy for him, and happy for the team uh, as well, which is really nice. Of course, we have Valtteri in eighth and Pierre Gasly in ninth. What about uh, Alpine? What did you think? About well, that, especially with uh, Esteban. Oh God, Esteban Ocon. I mean, if you were I would have loved to hear some audio coming from inside that helmet because I'm sure that there would have been uh, a lot of uh, <laughs> aggressive words being used to sum up the race they had yesterday. After what was a really good Saturday for Esteban, I mean, with Gasly, you know, having a, yeah. a shocker and qualifying right at the back, you know, Esteban really delivered, got it into Q3. That race, I mean, I don't know anything that could go wrong went wrong in that race for Esteban. It yeah. was Everything and anything, honestly. I've never seen so many penalties, pit stops. Yeah, it wasn't good. No, what I don't understand, though, Billy, is I think I think we would have both gone absolutely bonkers when we were in the meeting <laughs> afterwards. Is yeah. how, when they came in through a pit stop, they knew that they had to serve a penalty. They knew there was a certain time before they were allowed to change the nose, which they had yeah. to do. And they got it wrong. It's yeah. And there is about sort of six or seven, eight engineers and everybody else sitting on the pit wall who could tell what was going on. How they got that so wrong, I really don't know. Very embarrassing. Bit yeah. of a shame for Esteban, but, but it was good for Pierre to get the points for them, I suppose, that way. Yeah, honestly, they the level of sort of information Formula One teams have, the fact that, you know, a simple, yeah. it, a simple thing like a stopwatch has tripped them up. I mean, they can almost tell if a driver farts when they drive it around the track. You know, they've got that much data yeah. and technology, but they can't read a, a stopwatch yeah. and get the time penalty right. I mean, it's it's bonkers to me that that's happened. Even sitting at, sitting at home with my wife watching it, it was literally, we were both going one, two, <laughs> three. Even that was closer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Incredible. going back to the old Incredible. school ways. So... Yeah, they've got a bit of work to do, a bit of work to do, Alpine. I think Gasly, you know, that was a silver lining for them and what could have been a terrible day because Pierre yeah. started right at the back. If they'd had both drivers in that situation, then they would have been in, in real trouble. So I think the fact that Pierre showed they've got a good race car, 
if they actually not restricting themselves by getting all these penalties. Um, I think that's yeah. a silver lining. But yeah, I don't even think Alpine will be particularly happy where with where their, the pace of their car is at the minute. Yeah, it's go- it's going to be an interesting one to watch because I think fundamentally they they don't have a bad a bad car bad situation to sort of gather a nice sort of uh, bundle of points. But again, there's a quite a big gap to for them towards that fourth place, which is obviously what they're hungry to try and try and achieve. That for the moment doesn't seem to be uh, in touching distance, which is probably going to be a bit frustrating for them, I guess. Yeah, I think when it comes down to, you know, being in touch and distance of that top four, I think, yeah, like you say, for an Alpine, that looks at the minute like it's going to be a tough challenge. It looks like there's, because Aston have entered the fray, there's more teams in the mix, which is great for us as fans in that midfield. You know, you're going to see, I think, a few different drivers cropping up with great qualifying results and race results throughout the season. But let's just get back to the the front of the field Johnny because obviously you know Formula 1 it's all about winning that world championship yeah. we've got another question and this is from Jenny and she says do you think any of the teams will realistically get within touching distance of Red Bull so what are your thoughts on that mate do you think anyone's going to you know across a whole season catch them up give Max a real run for his money uh, I, again, I, again we haven't seen the full clear picture uh, and I say that because I think there is probably, there's only two teams that can do that. One of them showed its hand and it wasn't quite able to to do that, achieve that, which is Ferrari. But the one that was on a bit of the back foot because of the qualifying position that Fernando found himself in, although it was very good, you, you're always going to lose ground with the likes of Max and even Sergio. From So if that's going to be something they're going to have to sort out like we discussed earlier on. But if they do do that, I I reckon they could. But I reckon it's only Aston. The, the Ferrari at the moment didn't seem to have that raw pace in qualifying and it definitely didn't have it in the race, especially as I said earlier on, when Charles started those races on those brand new set of tyres, you would have expected even in the first couple of laps at least that he would have stayed with Max. Yeah. Could he? No. He couldn't do that. But I think the the pace that I, we saw Fernando have, I think gives us a little bit of chance of that being something that can actually happen with a bit of luck. So I reckon it's yeah. only going to be at the present time, Aston. I'm kind of with you on that one, mate. I mean, the, the, the tricky thing yeah. is when I think to last season, when Red Bull, you know, weren't dominating at the start of the year, that was when Ferrari were nailing it on a Saturday and they were sort of leading from the front and they had Red Bull chasing them behind. I feel like that was when Ferrari were at their best last year, when they had the, the upper hand on a Saturday and they just held on to that throughout the Sunday. I feel like if whenever Max Verstappen starts on pole position, in my head, I'm almost like, oh, the race is one and done already. I just generally feel that yeah. when he leads from the front, he's so confident and he's so assured with you know strategy and what's going on behind him all the time. He's got so much sort of like spare capacity to drive the car on the limit and think about all those things. I just struggle to see how, you know, even an Aston Martin, which have got a mega race car, I struggle to see how they're going to outwit Red Bull and Verstappen on a Sunday from behind. This is the, this is what I think, you know, there's been a big sort of structure change for Aston Martin. You know, the whole design team is, is very, very different and they've got a lot of experience from, from Red Bull, for example. So I think from a development point of view, that is where that they have a chance of closing that gap 
to Red Bull. So they've started from a base absolutely brilliantly. But I think as the development race uh, starts to come into effect, uh, that's where I think they have a chance of closing that gap. And I don't think the gap's as big as we probably saw uh, in uh, in Bahrain. And it will be track dependent for sure. I think we're going to see a little bit of change in that. But we do know Red Bull and Max generally, unfortunately, it does work everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much going. But I think that the, de- the development of the Aston, I think, will be the key to that challenge. So I think Jenny, yeah, I think that is probably the, the only team that is able to take it uh, to Red Bull. But I, I do hope Ferrari get it together because we want them to, to do it. Yeah, the more teams in the mix, the better, 100%. What about just a thought on the race? Was there any moments that stood out to you, anything that super impressed you? Um, one for me, for example, was... Fernando Alonso's overtake on Lewis. I mean, that overtake. Dang that, that was special. <laughs> that was, I absolutely loved that. I loved seeing them two going wheel to wheel again because I feel like, as Formula One fans, when I first started watching Formula One properly, it was back in 2007. So the first year where Lewis and Alonso were teammates at McLaren, where Lewis was the yeah. new kid on the block. So that's my first proper memory of watching a Formula One race. So to, to see them two going wheel to wheel again, and it was fair racing, but you know the old, the old fox Fernando Alonso outwitted Lewis a bit there, in my opinion. I mean, that was a, a cracking overtake to sell him the dummy, like he's going to go around the outside and then dive up the inside and get the move done. Yeah. He is, um, he's a tough competitor, Fernando, isn't he? Yeah, uh, very much so. I think we we're all aware of that, aren't we? But I think it's it's the ability for for him. It's a bit like you were saying about the capacity that Max has. That's exactly what Fernando has got. But that's what the likes of Lewis have got. Nigel Mansell had it and Senna, Alan Pro. They all have that special ability to have something extra when they need it. That's where it's all very special. But you're right, that move was just, it's just how he set it up. Yeah. Set it up probably coming on the exit of sort of turn seven into eight. Then he knew he placed the car to get a bit of drive towards nine, which then drops down, as you know, a left-hander, really, really tight. Uh, turn 10 easy to lock up a front left there as well easy to lock up exactly but it was how he he sort of he made sort of lewis sort of go middle slightly right as he entered turn nine but he went further to the right towards turn nine then he was already committed and he knew he was able to make that break that 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 move but it was just perfect no locking up, no nothing. I think it surprised Lewis, to be perfectly yeah. honest. I don't think he expected it there because it's not a place you normally normally overtake. So no. so it does prove you can overtake any corner. Yeah, exactly. And as you come out of turn 10, that's the the second DRS zone on the lap, or the third one, actually, sorry, on the yeah. lap. So, you know, I think, like you say, Johnny, I think Lewis was almost sort of preempting that, you know, Fernando was going to try and set up the exit with a bit of DRS to make the pass, but... Yeah, it was. Um, I really enjoyed that overtake. Were any other moments in the race that caught your eye? Any overtakes? Any moments from drivers that you thought, yeah, that I like that. Um, I think there was uh, the only sort of moment I think I saw where he was still fighting to to get himself into that finally into that uh, sixth position was uh, Lance Stroll. I think yeah. he fought the whole way through that race and was was always very very aggressive, like he always was, as we saw him. <laughs> get away with it at turn one but uh, no I think just what Lance was able to do battling the other drivers who were absolutely uh, uh, with no issues in the cockpit and he was still able to be able to deliver 
a, a brilliant race, to be honest. And his and his race pace now and again, again, was very very on par with with Fernando when Fernando was moving forward to get himself onto that podium. So, so I think Stroll did some uh, some great overtakes as well to to get himself into that sit. So that'd be a very positive thing for him, but more importantly for the team. Yeah, I think it's it's nice to to speak about Lance in a positive way because you know. To be honest, not all of his Formula One career has been sunshine and rainbows, Johnny, as you know. He's got a big stigma attached to him as a driver through the fact that his dad in Lawrence Stroll, you know, owns the team at Aston Martin. A lot of a lot of fans, you know, yeah, they don't like it. And as a as a driver who who knows, you know, the difficulties with funding in motorsport and how the game works, at times you can get frustrated by those things, but you have to appreciate him as a driver and the way he's come back, you know. The way Fernando was speaking about him, saying he was a warrior, and that yeah. I think them two actually seem to have a really yeah, good I've never dynamic. Heard him do that before? No, I've not. Normally, I've he Fernando wants to be called a warrior <laughs> to any teammate, <laughs> <laughs> any teammate. Even when they crashed in uh, in uh, in America, he didn't actually have a go at him. So yeah, he's playing a very very cool game with his teammate. But but he's absolutely right, you know, because he has done so well in his career. He has led races. He has had a pole position. Yes, he's the son of a billionaire. So damn what? You know, he's he's proven his worth. You know, you don't win the European Formula 3 Championship just because. You have to win it because you're good enough. And I think he's earned that that right. But it's funny how people still have a little bit of a dig about him when he sort of has a little bit of a coming together. Many drivers have coming togethers with other drivers on the track, and we've seen it many a time. Even world champions do that. So, yeah, it, I, I, it frustrates me. But there are occasions, yeah, you go, why did you do this? Why did you do that, Lance, like like you did in Austin? But uh, sometimes those things you have to you have to learn, don't you? We have, we had to go through that, learning through mistakes that we made. Yeah, it's the only way to learn, mate. Yeah, and Anna Prost told me right at the end of his career, in his last race that he did, he was still learning. Exactly right, mate. I think... You're only as good as your last race and Lance Stroll coming back from, you know, the injuries he had, where he got to, I think, shout out to him. Really impressive performance across the weekend. Yeah, very impressive. All right, mate. I think we've kind of summed up Bahrain in our words as best as we can. I think, you know, it was a great first race of the season. Good to have Formula One back. Yeah. Absolutely. uh, Yeah, love watching the race and and I've loved chatting with you about it, mate. It's been... uh, been a pleasure. I expect that five a pay Two, probably in Saudi four. Arabia, mate. But no, you've got a bit Six, of time. Don't worry about it. Eight. See you in about half an hour ten. when you finish counting them, mate. I'll, <laughs> I'll knock this outro out real quick. <laughs> if you guys are wondering, this is the first week where, you know, we're going to have a separate podcast answering all of your questions that you've sent in. So anything you want to know about the wonderful world of Formula One, send your comments to at lift the lid pod. And uh, don't forget, if you've liked what you've heard, please do both me and Johnny a big favour. Give Lift the Lid a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your mates about it. And why not leave us a little review whilst you're at it? Yeah. Right. That's the long and the short of the outro. Done, mate. Nailed it. Bosh. Like the predictions. We're on form. And uh, yeah, just finally, thanks for, for being with us again. Yeah, indeed. It's been a pleasure. It's been good fun. Yeah, I hope everybody's enjoyed it. Do come back because, uh, yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of fun this year talking all things F1, that's for sure. This is a Soapbox London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Rowan Wilkinson and Andy Bell.
Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.